Alright, so episode 48 with Meredith Shirk is about to start, and we're going to dive into a bunch of different stuff in this episode, but the major thing is I've been bringing up the idea and topic of firing clients as a coach and how that affects the individual that's coaching with the person that decided to either let them go or kind of break through that rough patch with the client to get them successful. Uh, And on top of that, if you guys can please, please, please share this podcast with your friends, family, social networks, I will be greatly appreciative. Uh, Go check out the website at cuttheshitgetfit.com. Hit me up through email at rafal at empowerhp.ca. Follow me on social media at Raf Matuszewski. And let's get this episode going. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today is Meredith Shirk. Say hello. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, so to break the ice for the whole audience, can you tell us what you're doing this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I'm actually not doing that much. I'm going to be relaxing. I don't give myself enough time to relax. I'm kind of a go, go, go kind of person. So I'm going to try my best to not do a damn thing, which is going to be very difficult for me. (laughs) That's awesome. It's tough because when you get into, you know, working on your business and you just keep wanting to build it and build it and you're like, Oh, I haven't taken a break for a while. Yeah, it gets, it gets tough. And it's also, it's like, well, if, you know, if I'm not doing the work, then who's going to do the work. And then you just, you know, you spiral down that, that hole of, okay, just keep grinding it out before you know it. You have like 15 hour days and you're like, well, I probably should go to bed now. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, what I started doing is scheduling breaks. And what I do is like put a show on Netflix on. Oh, nice. And like that just, it has to, it just has to happen for me. Cause like, like you said, like you can easily work for 15 hours. You're like, Oh, Man, that was a long day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so for the audience, can you tell them who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, as you guys all know, my name is Meredith Shirk. I'm the creator and founder of Svelte Training, um, and I'll kind of get into that a little bit more. But I've always been an athlete and always been a science geek, so it's kind of like uh, two different sides of the spectrum. Um, I went to college and played Division One water polo, and then at the same time, I was on track to go pre-med. And just instead of uh, instead of continuing pre-med, I kind of sat down and looked at how long it would take me and how much money it would cost me. And I'm like, you know what? I'll probably do a a little bit of a right turn here and not go that route. So instead I went biology and bioengineering. And so I have a a really analytical background. Um, so that's kind of how I approach work and my clients. But after college uh, and after playing water polo a little bit overseas, I started Svelte training as a way to not just make money right away, but, um, be a, personal trainer in quotation marks, that was different, not someone just looking for the next paycheck, but really wanted to help people achieve long-term success. So it started to become more of a lifestyle company. And then it started to grow and grow and grow. And I couldn't really keep up with it. So I tried to hire people that didn't really work um, because they didn't want them. They wanted the person who created the program. So I decided to expand online. And um, that's been a that was a rocky road. It's doing very well for me now. So I'm, I'm happy about that. But, um, that's kind of the, the snapshot journey of, of the past 10 years. <laughs> that's awesome. So when you said you were hired some people, like what, what went wrong in that situation? They just weren't as passionate as I was. Um, they didn't care as much cause it was my business and the clients didn't connect with them. Um, like they connected with me and it was difficult to say, well, you know, Mrs. Jones, I've been training you and and we've been working together for a really long time and you've had great success. And now, uh, you know, this guy's going to take over for me. And she's like, wait, what, why, what, this isn't fair. Why, you know, like, why am I, you know, not being, uh, not being worked with by you. And and it just was, just didn't work out very well. Yeah. It's tough. Like I've seen people that I've met over the years and I tell them like, Oh, I'm a trainer. And they're like, Oh, I used to do that too. And I would always ask them, like, well, what, what happened? They're like, oh, I wasn't making enough money, so I decided to do this instead. And I'm like, well, obviously that wasn't your, like, passion for it. Because you always hear about, like, you know, a personal trainer slash bartender just to, like, meet, have the ends meet. But they're not really in 
for it to actually help people. They just thought it would be a cool profession to get into. And they realized, oh, this is a lot of work. I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. And it's actually kind of disturbing that, you know, people working with other people with their health, like actually don't care. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Definitely. Like it's not a, it's a, it's a little bit of a thing where like, wow, okay, this should, there should be a little bit more stringent factors on like who can work with who. <laughs> And it, it's tough because, like, when I get a new client, I always ask them, like, have you ever had a personal trainer before? And nine out of ten times, they always say yes. And I'm like, well, what happened that you're not training with them anymore? And it's always a bad story. Like, something happened. And you kind of, like, I try not to bash on old trainers from what new clients tell me. But it's like, in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe that person did that. And, like, our profession is so interesting. Like, it's not so much that how much knowledge you know, but how well you can connect with another individual. Yo, hundred yeah. percent. Um, I call it like the emotional intelligence factor. Um, if you don't have that, you're really, it, it's going to be a short term thing for you. Like it'll just be something you do outside of college to make money while you're bartending uh, or going to law school or something like it's not going to be something where you can take it to a serious career making, you know, six, seven figures. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so since you were a college athlete, like I've been having this conversation with a bunch of different coaches where you sometimes see this, where, you know, a person goes to high school, they're playing say football, for example, they get really, really good. They go to university, maybe got a scholarship and they're just a high end athlete. And then they didn't make the pros. So they decide, okay, what else can I do? I'm going to become a trainer. And then they have this idea in their head that they're going to only be training professional athletes and that never <laughs> happens. And then yeah. they're like training the regular Joes, like Mrs. Jane with like three kids and she's in her forties. And most of the time coaches get frustrated that those kind of people don't do what they tell you. And it just kind of spirals from there. So in your case, cause you're a pretty high end athlete, like how do you find a way to kind of connect with the regular Joe client? I think it's been a really, um, it's been a long journey. Like I've been doing this for, uh, over a decade now. So it, it really, uh, it developed first as like, yeah, you're like, Oh, I'm going to work with the high, like the highest end people. And I'm going to be helping elite performers just like, you know, you know, like the trainers were for me in college and it just doesn't work like that. And I think, um, I got into it knowing that that would be a possibility because really, unless you have a contract or something with, with a team or something like that, it's not, that's not going to be how you're going to really make a difference or make any money period. Um, so you, for me, it was like a realization of one of just knowing that that wasn't going to be my ideal clientele, um, for, revenue, but also just knowing that this, the percentage of, of athletes out there would be very small. I still did work with some, but, um, it was difficult for me. You know, you, you want them to, you're like, can't you just do it? Like, why aren't you disciplined? Like, don't you understand? And all these things run through your mind, but you have to understand it. I mean, people have so many other things going on in their lives and you're just seeing a little snapshot and it's, um, it's about maturing as a person and as a coach and as a, uh, fitness professional and understanding that you don't know what's going on in their life. You might know little bits and pieces, but you're still not there immersed in it every day. And to expect someone to be an elite performer when they're not is just unrealistic and, and unfair for that client. Oh, definitely. And plus, I think, I think I said this on a different episode, but it's, it, it's funny because clients look at us as a different type of breed of people. Cause we both enjoy working out. And if someone said, Hey, let's go work out today. You'd be like, Oh yeah, let's totally go do it. But then you have a client, they're probably not that motivated or that excited to go to the gym. And it's kind of almost your job to kind of, make it more enjoyable for them, even though they hate it. But right. like, that's exactly it. it it's tough. Cause a lot of coaches don't see it that way. And they might just like label their client as, Oh, you're just lazy. You just don't want it bad enough. But like you said, like you don't really know what's going on in the client's life. Right. And there is, there is an element of the person just doesn't want to do the work too. You know what I mean? Like there is that element, like that's reality as well Is that, Sometimes people want, you know, they want the end prize without putting in all the work. Um, 
and that's that's definitely a reality as well. So there, you know, there are both sides. Um, like you said, you don't see everything going on in their life, but there's certainly, I think, eighty uh, percent of people want it all and don't want to put in the work. That's for sure. Yeah, like that's kind of going into the next question. Is like when you have those clients that are kind of a little bit tough to get through and they're kind of just all over the place with their schedule and they're not really putting a hundred percent into it. Like what is your process to kind of reel them back in and get them to see success? I think bottom line is, I mean, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So, uh, if they don't want it, um, then there are certain things that you can do to help them realize what they're doing to themselves and their goals. Um, but there's also a point where, uh, you cannot push them to take action. You know what I mean? After all said and done, it is up to them to do it. Um, certain times I'll go back and before I really even start working with a client at all, we kind of get into the mindset piece of, of really why they're doing this. And they say they want to lose 20, 30 pounds. That's just because they can fit in their jeans. Like that's not good enough for me. I need to hear like why, not like why fitting into their jeans means so much to them. Like really what's the emotional factor driving you? Because, you know, if it was just fitting into their jeans, then they're going to be yo-yoing back and forth between fitting into their skinny jeans and fitting into their fat jeans, uh, all the time. Like it just is not good enough. You need to have some really deep seated emotional reason why you're making that change. And I really try to peel back the layers and really pose a question themselves. Like really, why is this situation so so bad? Is it because you can't fit into your jeans? And so you feel embarrassed, take your kids to school because you're in sweatpants all the time and you've lost your relationship with your kids and it's driving you away from your, your husband or wife. Like really what's the issue? Because if I can bring that up and rip the bandaid off, then maybe you'll make a difference in your life. Do you have a pretty good success rate with those kind of questions with those clients? Like, do, do you find that most of them all open up to that point or are they kind of almost defensive and they're like, ah, I don't really want to get into that right now? Uh, it's a process. Like you certainly can't ask, like you have to build rapport with the client first. Like you can't, <laughs> you know, the first day you can't yeah. be like, uh, so, you know, what, you know, how's your relationship? You know what I mean? You really have to dig in deep and, be on their level and be, um, empathetic, but also that person that is a mentor to them. Because if you're not building the rapport and you try to dig into those questions, then they will pull back and you will lose them. So it's like a very delicate balance between building the rapport and then just being honest with them. Like there's so much crap out there being fed to everybody about everything and if you can just be 100% honest, I found that people really respond well to that because I don't make any excuses for them. I just say, Hey, I'm going to be completely, can I be completely honest with you? And they usually say yes. And then we get into a conversation about really why they're doing what they want to do. And if the goals don't match, then I don't work with them anymore. Like that's just my policy now. And they can find somebody else that, you know, they can be a tire kicker and, and go do another program, but it's not my intention to just drag somebody through something that they really have no intention of finishing. Yeah, you're definitely right. And the big part of that I've been really like hammering with a lot of clients and coaches right now is like being empathetic to your clients. Cause like we were saying earlier, like we don't really know what's going on in their life. And if you keep asking questions, those things will kind of pop up. And then I try, like I personally try to put myself in their shoes and like, I don't have kids, but if I had three, like one of my clients and then also buying a new house and selling the old house and then packing and then also trying to run your own business and then be a husband. And then on top of that, try to work out and be healthy. Like that's a lot of shit. Like that's, that's really tough. And like when you put yourself into their shoes, you're like, wow, you do really have a hard life. And maybe what I said before that, you know, you really need to make fitness your top priority is not really helping them for their success. Right. Totally. And, and that's sometimes it's not even about saying like, you need to make this priority. It's like, Hey, you know, don't do it for you. Do it for your kids. Like make some time in your life because how can you be the best mom or dad that you want to be if, if you're not going to be healthy for them? 
You know what I mean? And, and if you start putting it like that, then, you know, there's always going to be the trash to take out. There's always going to be another email. There's always going to be dishes. But, you know, how long do you have to really make a transition in your life where, you know, it health and fitness doesn't have to be your life, but it has to be part of your life. Definitely. And I always try to mention to my clients, like, find the times during the year where, you know, you can be really, really consistent and during the other times of the year, maybe like scale back a little bit, but don't quit altogether. So I had one client, for example, he would always come in three days a week. And then I noticed that he kept like missing because like all these different things were popping up in his life. And I just told him like, why don't you just go down to one day a week? And then when everything kind of settles, go back to your regular three days a week. And he's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm like, yeah, like why not? Like it's not a bad thing to kind of take a step back and you're still moving. You're still burning calories and you know, fitness is still in your life because the worst thing you can do is just stop altogether and it takes that much longer to go back to where you were. Right. Yeah. It's not about like throwing the baby out of the bathwater. It's just like if, if you need time, take time, step back, um, you know, maintain some activity and, and healthy habits, but don't just give up. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when you get a client, like how do you coach nutrition? Because like a lot of coaches have different methods and some coaches think like this is the only way and the best way so what kind of you what kind of nutrition do you like coach to your clients um i always i always say like i'm not any modality i'm not paleo i'm not vegan i'm not gluten free i'm not this i'm not that because when you i believe um it's been my experience when you put a box around somebody with that label um, it's so difficult to find something that's going to work for them in the long term. Like you just have to be this period. And this is the only way because, um, you'd be foolish to think that everything works for everybody. You know, like one thing is going to work for everybody. Everybody should be paleo. Like sometimes it just doesn't work for people and you need to understand that there are different modalities for each person. And so I always approach it as, you know, say if we're doing a, a six week program, um, I'll do a number of things in the first three weeks that are all different. And then the last three weeks will be a mix of those first three weeks. And we see how your body operates at the highest level and what you can maintain as a lifestyle. Cause that's important too. Like, you know, you can't try to tell somebody to go on a diet for X amount of time, because after that time is over, they're going to stop because they were doing a diet, like they achieve their goal. Great. That's it. Like what I want to create for them is a lifestyle that they can sustain. So something that's usable for them in the long term that they don't feel like they're being forced to do. Like they don't feel like they're being disciplined to being, you know, paleo or, or I'm going to be just vegetarian. Like it just doesn't, when you do that to somebody, um, it's very difficult to create that long-term success. Yeah, you're, you're completely right. And what I find interesting is no matter how long you've had a client for and they've been struggling with weight loss and eating better, they always come to you and tell you, you know what, I'm going to do this cleanse. I'm going to do this diet. I'm going to do this detox. And you're like, why? <laughs> and it's so interesting that they would rather put themselves through that kind of suffering than going 30 days where they're eating lean protein and vegetables every day. And I, I was, I'm just so like fascinated why they want to go to that and I'm like is it the marketing for that certain diet that they heard about that's going to make them lose 20 pounds or is it just like I, I don't know like what, what what do you think that causes clients to go down that route uh, I think it's psychological ease um, it's shorter uh, no matter how difficult it may be in that short term you know like cleanses are awful you know what I mean any kind of like juice cleanse or 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 something detox or whatever you want to call it. Like it's not fun for the person doing it. You know what I mean? And like after they're done, they're going to like go get a pizza or a hamburger or something gnarly or nachos or something that's going to basically undo everything they just did. But I think it's easier for someone to wrap their mind around like, Oh, I'm just going to do a cleanse. I'll be good. You know, like, Oh, I feel really bad about myself. I'm going to do a cleanse and it's going to make me feel so much better. And it, you know, it's just a, I think it's that short amount of time that people can, that people want to commit because the, you know, the natural, like all of us, I, you know, almost hundred percent of people just want something that's easy and fast. And so when they hear a three day cleanse, it's fast. 
um, and they can grin a bear for three days. But when you say like 30 day plan, they're like, Oh my God, a month, you know? And so it just, um, I think it's really just a psychological time thing. Yeah. Like I think the worst ones I've had was when clients looked into, um, I think it's called the Bernstein diet. Have you heard of that? Uh, yes, I think I, there's so many, but yeah, yeah, I think I have. And that that's the one where like you go down to something ridiculous, like 800 calories per day, but then you go into a clinic where they shoot you up with an IV for all the minerals and vitamins that you're missing in your diet. And you like, drops. you're like, why don't you, yeah. like, why don't you just eat something? Yeah, honestly. <laughs> and I had a client that I actually had two clients now do this, but it's so interesting that when they tell you that they're doing it and you can educate them as much as possible, but no matter what you say, they're still, they've already decided that they're going to do it. And you're just like, man, did I like fail you as a trainer? Like, but I don't know, like, I guess like what you said is because it's quick and easy and fast. And if one of their friends did it and they saw all that success, but we all know like when you go off it and you go back to eating normally, you're just going to balloon back up to where you were and maybe even worse. Totally. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always funny. I mean, I, I've stopped, um, blaming myself about that kind of stuff a long time ago. Cause I think for me, it's like, you can, you know, person can have the best coach and the best program and the best this and the best that, and it will work. It will truly work. But if they don't like, if they have made up their mind that they're not going to do it, then there is absolutely nothing you can do or anybody else can do. And so it's really, uh, it is detrimental to the rest of your clientele to hold that guilt for someone else who's not committed and ready to, to make a transformation or a change, a true change. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you think, um, failure is like an important step for a client to actually see success? Um, I think it, it's a, I don't know if it's an important step. I think it's a step that happens, um, and it's reality. So, uh, I think it's not the act of failing, but actually the reaction to the failure that's more important. Um, so I guess it's an important step just because it goes to the reaction of it, uh, because that's really where you see whether the person or whether, you know, they can see in themselves whether or not they really want it, because is it a, you know, if they fail is, do they start to spiral downhill or if they fail, do they dust themselves off and say, well, that sucked. And I definitely don't want to do that again. And do they make a, a positive change? So you can see just from like that reaction alone, whether or not that person is, is in it or not. Yeah. Like, I think I s- said this two episodes ago, but the example I gave was that my wife came up to me and she's like, I want to do the whole 30 diet. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> it's not as bad as other ones out there, but any kind of like a diet that restricts you from eating certain things, I'm not a big fan of. So I almost made this as an experiment. I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And I'm going to, in my head, I was like, I'm going to be curious to see what happens, you know, throughout the process and at the very end. So at the end of the whole thing, I asked her like, okay, so what did you think? She's like, I freaking hate food now. And all I want to do is binge on stuff. And I'm like, exactly. there you go. Right. And I think that's, even, even like our industry with like coaches that follow that whole idea of, you know, eating super clean throughout the week and then having that, you know, cheat day where you just binge like crazy on all the foods that you didn't have. Sunday, you're in like a food coma. And then by Monday, you're like, I can't wait until my cheat day again. So have you ever had any kind of client go through like, I would call them eating disorders where it's like emotional eating or binge eating or anything like that? Yeah. It's usually all, um, I don't work. (laughs) It's like usually all of them, um, have some kind of issue with that. You know what I mean? Um, and it is like the creation of that, like quote unquote cheat day. That is this, it doesn't make sense. Um, to me, (laughs) you know, they just say they, they disguise it as, Oh, it's going to reset your metabolism because you're filling your body with all these things. And then your body's going to bounce right back the next day. Um, I mean, I think that's a load of crap, um, because really they're just getting you back into that shitty cycle that you've been in before. And so, like you said, you're just going to be like really waiting for the next cheat day. You know what I mean? It doesn't, and that's not creating a lifestyle. That's just creating like a, 
uh, delayed gratification kind of mindset. Um, but I've had a lot of people deal with just like binge eating or emotional eating. Um, and it's difficult to break, you know, those are the, those are really habits that have been built over a long period of time. And it's very important to understand that they have a lot of emotional baggage that you have to dig through and it's not going to happen overnight. Um, and so those are kind of the most, uh, exciting people to work with. Cause you know, you can really help them change their lives. It just, it takes more work on your side. Yeah. Like I think I had maybe two people that had a really bad, like binge eating cycle. Cause they were used to the whole idea. I think it's probably back in the nineties where like all the bodybuilders did that, where you eat super clean and then you have that, you know, reload day of calories of whatever you want. And they did it for years and years and it was just a normal thing. But eventually when they came to me, I'm like, Hey, let's work on this. And I told them like, you know, if it's a Tuesday and you feel like having a burger or a cookie or something like that, like allow yourself to have it because you're going to be doing more damage when you're eating a whole pizza on a Saturday and six beers for one meal than having something small here and there throughout the week. And it, it took a while, but it did work for both of the clients that I had working with them. And I think um, Georgie Fear kind of does the same thing with her diet. Like she doesn't have cheat days. Like if she wants something, she'll eat it. But it's not an everyday thing. It's not for every single meal. But if you kind of sprinkle those like cheat little foods throughout there, you're not going to do as much damage as a whole binge day. Right. Yeah. And that, and that totally makes sense. It just, it just is. Um, and really in reality, like one cookie is not going to do anything. It is that damage when you go and binge on something that's really going to make the the big difference. And not just like internally, but just the way you feel like you're going to feel like crap, you know, and then it's going to, it just doesn't like to me that, that, that mindset is not, it's not long-term and, and it doesn't, uh, it just doesn't make sense to me to help somebody build a lifestyle like that. Yeah. And like, if you're that restricted where you just leave it to one day, I always like ask my client that's dealing with it. I'm like, okay, well what happens on Sunday if you have to go to like a family dinner or a birthday party for your kids and there's cake, like, are you just going to be that person who goes, no, I can't do it cause I'm on a diet. So yeah, I just like to build on lifestyle choices I would say and the more you can have like almost like freedom in your life and you're not thinking about food constantly it's just a little bit easier and better for those clients but that's just I don't know that's just me no definitely I think it totally makes sense and it's just about creating something that's that you can do forever not something that's just you're going to like stick to for two weeks or, or two months you know Oh, definitely. Have you ever had like one client that you could never get through to help them? Like, have you ever had a situation like that? Uh, definitely. Um, and it, you know, you try your hardest and you, you try to do as, as much as you can, but you know, they're, if their overriding circumstances don't allow you in, then there's nothing you can do. And, and I, I don't work with those kind of people anymore. Like I'll do my best to try and help them, but, um, I'm certainly not running after them because I think that is counterintuitive. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, there are certain people that just aren't ready and I've come to a, a realization that like, you can't help everybody and you, you know, you do your best and if they're not ready, then there's nothing you can do. That's huge. Like that's the last couple of years. That's what I've been thinking about is like timing is everything. Cause sometimes you can come across a client and they know they need to get healthy, but it's not in their like mindset that this is a priority for me. So maybe, maybe not right now, but maybe in two years from now, you're actually going to like dive into it a hundred percent and see some success. But I don't like it, it, it's tough. It's so interesting to see, you know, you'll have one client that does everything you say and then you'll have another client where they kind of just take their time and almost go through the motions. So it's kind of interesting how people um, kind of take in information and what they choose to do with it. 
yeah, most people don't do anything with information that they gather. You know what I mean? It's a very small percentage that will really, really, really take action on what you're doing and really believe in what you're telling them and want to see the success. Yeah. So do you think as like a fitness industry as a whole, do you think we're failing the general public to help them? Um, I, that's a loaded question because yeah. <laughs> there is, um, yes and no. Uh, I think that we, the, the majority of the fitness industry is geared towards short-term success. Um, and that doesn't help with people in like a year or two years. It might help them, you know, take action immediately on something. And so it's good and bad. You know, we are, most of the fitness industry is playing into the human psyche of wanting things now. And so, you know, if Mrs. Jones was to never do anything about her health then she would, you know, probably die at a very early age and be very sick and, and overweight. But if she found this cleanse and maybe she only uses it once or twice every three months, but she's doing something. Is that a positive? Probably, right? I mean, if it's motivating her to do something, but I don't think I don't think I would say that the that the health and fitness industry is failing people as a whole. I think it's just very fragmented. Like you're gonna find a lot of good things and a lot of bad things about it, but I don't think it's um, one label or the other, cause there are some really great people doing some really great things. Um, it's just easier for people to buy the quick fix. So that's what we see most. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of like Titans in our industry that I look up to and they're doing great things, but I don't feel like they have enough reach for everybody. And I've been kind of looking at the marketing of all these other companies that, are not the best choice for your health, but they're doing so well in sales and things like that. And I remember talking to Lee Boyce about this, this guy who um, started, um, I think it's called the Kino Body. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he had that like Facebook ad where he's like in a mansion and then he like walks down the stairs and all these like supermodels were with him and then he's driving like a Lamborghini and everything like that. And he got so many views and signups for his program because of that. And when I looked into what he was like selling, it wasn't actually that bad for information. It was like, he was talking about intermittent fasting. He was talking about, like, it was like a regular bodybuilding split of exercise, but it wasn't anything stupid. Like here's a three day cleanse to start you off, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he had probably one of the best marketing strategies for good information. And I'm like, that's another way that maybe coaches should kind of approach it, have kind of like almost a skeezy like commercial like that to get people's attention. Cause I don't think anybody's going to want to read or watch a video where it's good, hard, like researched evidence based stuff. Cause they're no, just going to like, work. yeah, they're just going to scroll right through it. And I was wondering like, how do you try to connect with kind of your niche of people to help them? Like, what do you do? say on social media, or if you have like a newsletter, like how do you try to connect to more people? Um, I think it's just about trying to be both. I mean, you have to, you obviously, if you want to spread, you have to be a marketer. Um, but at the same time you have to give good information as well. So I think it's like a mix between two. It's like, you have to connect with people that have good email lists and you have to, you know, put your best foot forward with, with results and people that have had great success. But, you know, once you kind of get them into your network, um, you can really talk with them about the serious implications of what they need to do and how they need to do it. So I think it's, I think it's a mix between both. I mean, like what I do is I, you know, I try to get with influencers that have big email lists and, you know, you do your marketing and then you get them into your own list and you try to just, and I wouldn't say indoctrinate them, but just like, let them know who you are and what, what you want to do and how you want to help them succeed. And I think people respond well to that. And if they don't, then they don't, then they're not your ideal customer. Do you think uh, social media for fitness professionals right now is really important for them to get on or they can kind of go without it? Um, I think it's 
I mean, it would be silly not to, you know what I mean? It's a great avenue and Facebook live is great. Instagram is great. And, you know, Instagram's got a live thing now. It's just about getting eyes. You know, you can have the greatest thing in the world. if No one sees it. Like, is anybody ever going to use it? You know what I mean? So, um, Facebook is great having a social media account, just putting yourself out there, being active. It's, it's important. You know, if you want to spread what you do and you want more customers and more clients, you want to help more people, you have to do those things. Definitely. Cause I've seen a lot of great coaches that just don't want to jump on social media. Cause I don't know, maybe they're like kind of intimidated by it or they look at it like, man, this is a lot of work, but at the same time, like, I feel like you're not spreading your passion and gift to more people. And that kind of, to me, that kind of sucks. Cause when I uh, started following like Gary Vaynerchuk and I'm not too sure if you know who he is, but yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like when I watched his very first video, like I can't remember, like maybe two years ago, I'm like, Holy crap, this guy is onto something. And just watching how the social media has been changing the last two years, it changes so fast. And for the people who haven't really had any kind of good content on social media that I feel like they're missing out. And the fact that I like started this podcast was just to reach more people to help them. And ever since starting it, like it hasn't even been a year yet with this podcast. And I've been getting like emails, messages through social media, like how people have been enjoying it. And there's like been certain episodes that like really like push them in the right direction. And I'm like, yes, this is what I'm talking about. And you feel good that, you know, you chatting with someone for an hour helps somebody to, you know, get out of a rut or something. And I, I just think social media is really, really powerful right now. And if you're not creating content, you're kind of missing the point. Yeah, definitely. If you're not trying to help people and, and people want free stuff too, like, so you just give away, usually you just try to give as much away as you can because then you're showing really yourself and you're showing what you can do. And if they, if they do really want the help or they, they're really interested, they'll, they'll ask you for something. They'll ask you for more. They'll ask about more information. And then that's really all you need to start a conversation. Yeah. And the other thing with like social media is like, it's also a double edged sword. Cause you go on Instagram and you look at the online trainers in quotations and it's like, you look at their account and it's just every photo is a self, like a selfie with the guy with no shirt on with the shredded like six pack abs and everything. And then, yeah. you know, your client looks at that and they're like, either they're motivated by it, which most likely it's not, or they're like, man, I feel really bad about myself, but they continue following those kind of people. And that's like almost their expectation in their head is like, that's how they're supposed to look to be fit and healthy. Yeah. It's a, it is a double-edged sword. I mean, you have to get that, you have to do that sometimes to get eyes you know what I mean? Just like you're saying that, that kind of commercial that you saw, he got so many new clients from that. And, and sometimes you got to do that to get eyes, but I think there's, um, there's a healthy balance. Yeah, and like, I remember, I think this might have been last year. I did a little experiment on social media where, cause I personally lost 60 pounds back in high school. Cause I used to be like the fat kid and I did a before and after photo putting them together. And then I wrote a blog about it. It was my most read, most viewed blog post ever I've done. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's because when I posted that little photo of a before and after and my after photo, I had no shirt on. That's probably why. And it's so interesting that, you know, someone's body can like just drive so much traffic to something. And I could have like wrote something really, really stupid, but I would still get, you know, a lot of views. So totally. Have you ever had like clients um, follow people that are super, super fit and they get into this mindset of like, that's how I'm supposed to look like? Have you ever had to almost like counsel them to kind of step away from social media or anything like that? Um, I think, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I work with, I, I don't even think I ever get into that piece of the puzzle. Like if they want to be like an elite athlete or like shredded or, or they think they should look a certain way, then we just talk about what it takes to get there. And, and, and once you hit reality of like the time and effort that that person in the Instagram or, or Facebook post put into their body and how much time they continue to put in their body, they kind of go like, uh, yeah, maybe that's not an expectation for me anymore. So it's really just about like peeling back the, the layers of reality. 
Um, and it usually happens pretty quickly. I'm like, Hey, you can more than welcome to look at anything you want on social media, but just realize that that person, that is their job to look that way. You know, they don't have five kids. They're not, they don't have three jobs. They, you know, they're not cooking dinner every night for their entire family. So just remember, like if, if that's the way that you want to look, then we really need to reevaluate what we're doing here. Yeah, definitely. And I think I should have asked this before, but what's your like typical client? Like, who are they? Uh, typical client, um, say like 90% are females between the age of 38 to 58, like, and, you know, two kids, most, mostly at that older age, they're out in college, they're trying to re- you know, reestablish their body, trying to get healthy. They realize they've hit a plateau or they're frustrated because they don't see results of what they're doing anymore. So that's really the, the typical client. Okay, perfect. Because that, that's kind of the same people that I train. And like I said before on the show many times, like 90% of my clients are all moms. And I feel like that's almost kind of like my niche now because it took me a couple years into the industry to realize that why aren't all my clients moms? And I'm like, I guess I'm just good at communicating with them. And the big one with them is they almost feel the need to look a certain way after having a baby or, you know, they're done with kids and they want to look exactly how they did back in the, uh, back in their twenties before they had kids. Right. Right. They almost have like all this emotional, like baggage of body image stuff. Have you ever had to guide your clients in the right direction with something like that? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's talking to a woman about body issues, like body image issues is very typical because we all have something that we want to be or we think we should be. Um, but it's just about helping them see the, the small changes that they can be really proud of themselves for. And usually when you start, to get those wheels in motion of seeing results and the way that they feel and the way that they look, then they, they realize that, okay, I don't need to be a 20 year old supermodel to, to still feel sexy and and feel like I have a great body and feel proud and confident. Yeah. And I think the tough thing is when you're training a client and you know, they're fit, you know, they look good and they still tell you, Oh man, I look so fat today. Like, how, how do you combat comments like that when you're training clients? Um, I usually just tell them, I'm like, I, I just kind of laugh and I'm like, you know, you're being ridiculous. And, and, and it's really like, I'm trying to, I try to be as honest as I can. I'm like, I'm like, you're being ridiculous. I was like, you know, you work really hard. You look great in, in what you're wearing, but obviously there's something going on in your mind. So like, what else is going on? What happened? Cause like, okay, you feel fat today. Like, what did you get a, uh, the wrong glimpse in the mirror of yourself? Or did you have a fight that's making you emotionally kind of strung out? Cause there's usually something else going on there. Um, and it's mostly just about reinforcing that they're working really hard. They look great and that they need to stop beating themselves up about stupid stuff. That's, that's not helpful to anybody. What kind of advice would you give to a male trainer dealing with women in kind of that age bracket that we were describing earlier? Because for me personally, like, you know, you can say all the right things, but maybe a female coach can kind of almost dive in a little bit deeper because the fact that she's also female, they kind of almost could connect better. So what kind of advice would you give coaches out there that are male that kind of work with a typical mom client? Listen to them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, 80% of the time talk 20% of the time. Um, like seriously, because most of them just want to, to tell you things and they don't necessarily want to hear anything back except maybe a few words here and there, but they just want to like, they want to come and dump emotional stuff on you. And so it's just really important to listen and to also listen to them when they are saying like, I seriously can't do this exercise or, you know, because some people are like, Oh, you can push through it. You can push through it. But you have to be very careful because there's a very fine line between like pushing them too much and not pushing them enough. Um, and you might lose a few clients in the process of figuring that out. Uh, but it's important that you really truly listen to them because if you're, you know, if you're a 20 year old guy or whatever, and, and you're, you know, 
is still in college or just out of college and you're like, all right, we're going to go do, you know, like deadlifts and squats. And they're like, well, you know, I, I, my, my back's kind of hurting. You're like, oh, you can do it. And then that's it. You're done. Like they immediately will not respond to you anymore. And so it's important to like really build that relationship first before you start pushing people to do certain things. Oh, a hundred percent. You're right. And I think the other issue sometimes with those female clients is figuring out what's going on at home. Cause I've had a bunch of experiences where the spouse at home is not fully supportive of, you know, their wives getting fit and strong and they almost like sabotage their progress. Cause maybe they're even jealous that they're getting fit and you know, the husband at home is unactive and eating like crap. Like, have you ever had an experience like that before? Um, I'm not self-sabotaging, but it's more like the, they're just not supportive. And so it's difficult to do things when you don't have a supportive spouse, you know what I mean? So it just is, uh, you have to really play into that mindset of like, well, who you don't do it for them, do it for you. Yeah. I, I, I tell my female clients that, you know, maybe the best strategy is you actually sit down with your spouse and family and say that, hey, this is my next big thing. I really want to get my health in order and I want to feel better. You guys don't have to change at all, but I just need you to support me while doing this. Yeah, being being open about what you want to do is always better than just going out and doing it and not telling anybody. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to bring up is, is the topic I started talking to with a couple people is this whole idea of firing a client. Have you ever fired a client or how do you feel about that idea? Oh yeah, all the time. Um, if I don't think, if I don't think it, I can help them, um, and they're not willing to be receptive and really understand the purpose behind what they're doing or wanting to do it. Um, I, I don't work with those people anymore. I uh, just, I did in the beginning and it tore me to shreds and I was, it wasn't fair to my other clients. And now I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not mean or anything about it. I say, Hey, you know, I really don't think that, um, I really don't think I can serve you. I'm the right person to help you achieve your goals. I, I really think that, um, someone else could serve you better. And so I just, I put it like that. It just, if I feel like I, there's no way for me to get to this person and help, then it just isn't a good fit. And I don't, it's gotta be a two way street. Um, so you know, if it, if it's not working for me and are not working for them, then I'm, I let them go. Okay. Uh, do you train more people online or do you still train people, uh, in person? I'm almost exclusively online now. Um, my reach is so much better and I've developed something that is, um, helps people, uh, really all over the world. And so I found, I still have some clients that I see because I like them. Um, but if we're talking business wise, um, it's hard for me to trade time for dollars now. Yeah, definitely. So online with your clients, at what point can you make the judgment call that, Hey, this client's not the right fit for me and I'm going to let them go. Like what are the kind of small clues that you pick up to kind of make that decision? Um, well, if it, if anybody I'm working with personally, um, I don't get them into a program until I have a call with them first. And it's like an assessment call for me to even see if I can help them or they're a good fit for the program. Um, and I can tell pretty quickly if they are or are not ready. Um, but if we get into the mix and they have a lot of excuses or they start getting defensive or blaming people while not showing me the work that they've put in, then that's a clear indication to me that they're just not ready. Okay. Cause like for me, I've never fired a client and the reason behind that is that I just feel that if I'm not going to do it, what are the chances of that client finding another coach and being successful with them? Because I've seen um, clients kind of go through a lot of stuff in their lives and they might not be seeing any success in, say, like two years of working with me, but something switches in their brain and they're finally successful. I'm like, okay. It took a little longer, but they were successful. And in my opinion, is like if I fired a client, they might feel like, you know, their world's almost crashing in and they might not even look to find somebody else. 
But again, like every coach is different and they have different reasons why. And I totally respect it. It's just, it's an interesting topic because I've seen some coaches that are like me, they wouldn't fire any kind of client. And then there's some that are, you know, if a client's not doing what I tell them to, it's a bad representation of my business. So it's almost kind of interesting to ask different coaches their opinion on this because it's almost like a hot topic right now. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad representation of business. I just think that um, if the person is really apprehensive and, and doesn't want to do it, then, you know, there's nothing, you know, it's not like it doesn't happen overnight. You know what I mean? Like this is, it's a process of like, Hey, you know, uh, I, I don't think this is going to work out. Let's try to make some moves. And if it's not working, then, um, I feel that it is the person's responsibility to take it upon themselves to find it that they need to change because that's truly in my, in my experience, what's going to make them long-term successful. Cause I'm not going to work with them for their entire life. You know what I mean? They need yeah. to find their own legs. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to give them fish. I want to teach them how to fish. And like, I remember another coach telling me, um, about firing a client is, you know, he gave an example of a client that he was working online with and they were paying every single month, but you might, um, only get 20% of work from them. And the coach just felt bad for like taking money for doing no work at all. I'm like, okay, that makes sense, right? Like maybe you tell the client, hey, maybe right now you're not ready. So we can just take a break. And then when you're ready, you can come back. Right. Of course. And that's always, you know, you don't want to be charging some somebody for something that they're not going to be doing. You know what I mean? Especially if they're, if they're pushing back a lot, you're like, look, I, I don't want to like waste your time or money. So when you feel like you're ready, then let's really do this. Definitely. Um, so let's go last question. Cause I know you gotta leave. Um, where can people find you online? What are your next projects coming up? If you have any products or speaking engagements, just plug away. Yeah, definitely. Um, if anybody wants to get in contact with me, my, um, my Facebook handle is, uh, facebook.com slash svelte training. Um, Instagram is svelte underscore training and that's S V E L T E. Um, they can go to sveltetraining.com. I've got Facebook chat there, um, live help button. So I'm, I'm always, I'm always ready to talk to new people who are really ready to take it to the next level. And really the, the best of the best of what I do and my passion right now is, um, called the six weeks felt VIP transformation group. And, um, this isn't for everybody, but it's for people who truly do want to transform. They've done everything. Nothing has worked. And it's really about the long-term success for me. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Yes. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to whoever uh, wants to reach out. Okay, so that's going to wrap up episode 48. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that one. And as always, share this podcast, please. I just want to get a bigger reach and audience and help as many people as possible. And until next time, you guys, we'll see you next week.